0: I have with me today uh, Marsha Ferranto, who is the CEO of the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund in Washington, D.C. I mean, I got the big dog, Marsha. I'm really uh, excited to have you on the show. Well, Betsy, thank you for having me. Uh, so, M- Marsha, I think a lot of people, um, they've maybe heard of the wall, maybe heard of the museum, but I think a lot of people haven't and and the wall i've taken my kids to the wall in dc um it's for those of us in law enforcement it's an it's a beautiful place it's a very reverent place and every time we go we see citizens you know just normal people who support law enforcement they're looking up uh officers in their community that have fallen in the line of duty or just spending a moment to talk to their kids about what this wall means. Can you talk about the history of the wall and, uh, and what it does mean to the whole DC community there?
1: Yeah, so Betsy, the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund um, has three pillars. The first pillar being our memorial, and that's where we honor the fallen um and uh and today's uh fatality report actually summarizes those 2020 numbers which we'll talk about on the other side of uh, our campus our law enforcement campus we have the national law enforcement museum and that's where we tell the story of american law enforcement our third pillar which is very important and that is our officer safety and wellness pillar it's not enough to honor the fallen and tell the story of American law enforcement if we're not doing something to keep officers off the wall. So we've started this program called Destination Zero and Destination Zero is a uh, is an effort on our part to bring fatalities to zero. And we are the repository for all best practices around the country as it pertains to keeping officers uh, safe and what happens is uh, departments and agencies all over the country get it right in many areas and we are that repository to share those best practices and so law enforcement um, departments and agencies come to us to uh to to find out you know what are those best practices so we're operating under those three pillars today very solemn day as we issue the 2020 fatality report we are focused on the memorial And we are focused on uh, and what that means. And for us, and I think for uh, your viewers to know, that is that the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial is the leading authority on all line of duty fatalities. And the reason we're that leading authority is because of the stringent review process that we take all of these applications through. So when you have a department or an agency who unfortunately has a fallen officer, they will send us the paperwork and that starts the process. And the process is long, it uh, involves a lot of pieces, but at the end, we certify that fatality as a line of duty fatality. And when that happens, then that name will go on the wall. Currently there's 22,217 names on the wall. So it is a very meaningful, very meaningful. Well,
0: and I I use uh, your data in my own research for my officer survival classes and, and my writings. And you do an excellent job of compiling that data because we need to continue to learn um how we fall in the line of duty and and it seems like now this year is an anomaly and we're gonna or I should say last year 2020 we'll talk about that um, because line of duty deaths are up over 100 percent prior to that we were doing a much better job of making sure that officers were not dying in the line of duty for example when I started uh, in law enforcement in the late 70s, we were losing about 250 officers on average in the line of duty. And uh, and we were able to shave about 100 police officers off of that um, a year. In other words, what we're doing in American law enforcement, as far as officer safety goes, and you guys are a big part of that, it's working, isn't it?
1: I think so. I think it is working. and. We can't use this year as being uh, a comparative year. Uh, I think this year is going to go down, unfortunately, as the uh, worst year for law enforcement fatalities, but we'll talk about that. Last year, we were seeing about 135 fallen officers. And I do believe that the ability to share information quickly uh, between departments, between agencies has helped a lot. Um, you know, and when, when we look at traffic fatalities, one of the things that I have learned in, in my position is how traffic fatalities can be avoided. And, uh, and the practices that have been put in place, for example, the uh, move over laws that some of the states have implemented have had incredible impacts on law enforcement. And it really matters, you know, and law enforcement, you know, wearing their reflective vests, you know, during a traffic stop, law enforcement positioning their vehicles in the proper way, all of these kinds of steps that are working in some pockets of our country, being shared with other pockets of the country, are saving lives.
0: What incidences do you uh, collect data on as far as law enforcement officer line of duty deaths?
1: We well first we decide if it where it falls in the category uh, the line of duty death and then the the rest of it is around their name their location their age uh, the time of year uh, we collect that data we collect the story and the and the details behind that story. Um, and we so we, we are able to track that. One of the things that the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund has that no other organization has, and that is that data for decades that we can look at from state to state, uh, what the trends are doing from uh, circumstance to circumstances, where handguns are falling, where rifles are coming in, Um, You know what those trends are so we're tracking all of that in an attempt to help collect the data use it through our destination zero program and and help uh, help the numbers go in the right direction.
0: Now, when you uh, collect all the data and decide that yes, this officer is uh, a line of duty death and and is going to go on the wall that process. And I want people to understand that process is incredibly impactful for the family, for that officer's uh, friends and agency. And it, and it culminates in um, a couple of things, including police week. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, so so you're right. Um, it's very meaningful and it's meaningful on our end to make sure we have it right that it is a line of duty fatality. And once it is certified as a line of duty fatality, uh, everything gets put in motion from um, the name being engraved on the wall to uh, the family being invited to Washington, D.C. onto the National Mall when on May 13th at 8 p.m. We read the names of all the fallen officers from that year Fortunately, last year we couldn't do it because of COVID, and this year it might not be on the National Mall, but nonetheless, um, Police Week is the place to gather, and it's a place where uh, people who have shared the same experience, where I know that I can't comprehend it, um, uh, many of us can't comprehend it, what it would mean to lose a family member who so selflessly gave their lives to com- to protect others. Uh, they all come together and uh, it is a moment. It's a moment where um, we are able to honor these brave men and women. And uh, from there, the whole week really happens. Uh, we have a lot of activity over at the memorial itself. Uh, people leave mementos, they leave um, all sorts of things. It's, a, it's actually just to walk the, the wall during police week. Uh, you can feel the emotion that's there. Um, you don't have to try, it just happens. And um, um, so that is a big week for us. It's a big week to bring those families into Washington. And then what we hope to do is to bring them over to the other side of our law enforcement campus where we have the museum So they can um, come inside and they can um, have a feeling of pride, if you will, uh, for their loved one who has uh, chosen that as their profession and that they can walk through uh, the museum sort of in the shoes of law enforcement and be able to experience what it must be like to be in law enforcement. Our hope is that everyone who walks out the door after experiencing our museum either wishes they had chosen to be a law enforcement officer glad they chose to be a law enforcement officer or is going to encourage someone to be a law enforcement officer
0: talk about the museum and some of the some of the things it's it's very unique
1: Yes. Yeah, so I will say that, you know, I might be a little biased here, but I think it is one of the best, if not the best museum in Washington. And the reason I say that is because it's so incredibly interactive and it's interactive for all um, age groups. So families can come in um, or just adults can come in and, and leave feeling as though uh, they understand more about law enforcement than they did before they arrived. So um, it is, uh, it's very hands-on. The museum opened in October of 2018, and we closed our doors to the public March 13th of 2020. So we were only open for a little bit over a year uh, before we were closed to COVID. Um, And although our doors are locked, um, we are uh, still operating, we are still providing providing programs, and um, we look forward to the day that we get to uh, reopen the museum.
0: Now, speaking of COVID, um, let's talk about COVID and, and COPS. Um, one of the things that 2020 has shown us is that um, when you talk about essential workers, so the people that were absolutely on the front lines of COVID, uh, not just medical workers and uh, fire and paramedics, but it was American law enforcement. And, and we were out there before we really understood the virus, really understood how it spread. And, and we've paid a price for that, right?
1: Um, it is what is going to make 2020 um, the deadliest year for law enforcement we're currently looking at 145 COVID fatalities that are confirmed. It's really important to understand this part. They're confirmed because they've been through the process. We still have about 70 in the pipeline. And at 70, most likely the majority of them will be confirmed, but they're, they're still in the middle of, of that process. We actually formed a task force when we saw these numbers coming in as, quickly as they were coming in over 2020, knowing full well, well that between us and all the departments and agencies, it was going to be really hard to get all of these deaths uh, confirmed before the end of the year. So when I say 145, that's a preliminary number. I believe, uh, Betsy, we're going to see this number double.
0: Yeah, and it's it's so incredibly tragic because sometimes it's difficult to trace and that's a big part of what you guys do is, and, and, and again, I really want people to understand this. You know, you, you might hear about a police officer who dies in the line of duty or gets killed in the line of duty in your in your town or your county. And, um, and you think, oh, okay, all these things just happen to help that officer and that officer's family. In reality, it's an extraordinary amount of paperwork, process, little bureaucracy Um, Right to be able to certify that death as a line of duty death to open those doors for that police officers family to get some not only honor but assistance right can you talk about that a little bit.
1: So it is for us it's the honor part. Um, you know, every law enforcement death is a sad death. I mean, let's face it, these are the men and women choosing a career that is selfless, right? And so anytime one of them, um, you know, would lose their life, it's a tragedy. But what our focus is on honoring the fallen um, who have died in the line of duty. And that's really the important piece for us is that because that that man or woman woke up this morning and chose to keep our community safe walked out the door and did not return home to their family that is because of their choice of choosing law enforcement that's what the that's what the honor represents that's what the wall represents and i think that all of us as as americans uh living in our safe communities we owe those law enforcement officers that honor and that respect and sometimes we forget about it we take it for granted. Well, there's 22,217 names on that wall. And I guarantee you that not one of them has a family member who has taken it for granted.
0: Absolutely. And and one of the things that, that you do at the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund is that you you not only look at current line of duty deaths, but you have quite a, uh, a process for going back and finding Uh, police officers stories um, of officers who have sacrificed in the line of duty. Every year, um, you guys seem to come up with more and more police officers whose stories you tell, whose names you put on the wall. Talk about that historic process, because I find that always very fascinating. What an amazing job you do with that.
1: We actually find it pretty fascinating too, and we're always we're always glad to be able to uncover that story, to be able to put that name through our process, and then to be able to recognize this law enforcement officer and honor them on the wall. We go back as far as 1786 uh, with names on the wall of uh, law enforcement who have fallen in the line of duty. Um, and, but, you know, the other thing is, is that we're, uh, this year we're adding 12 9 names. And so, you know, that is somebody who, yes, did they, did they, uh, lo- did they die in 2020? Yes. But it was 9-11 still killing people going forward. And, um, and so we recognize those stories. Those stories are still being submitted to us every year. Uh, but it is, it is. Uh, The 20 recognizing the deaths in 2020 hearing the stories and having the departments and agencies who, by the way, I encourage to continue to communicate with us uh, because there's 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 not better an honor for us to be able to take someone who had through the process who got there because someone from their department or agency cared enough to dive into it to get the facts and send them to us. So yeah, we encourage uh, departments and agencies to forward any information that they have on past law enforcement uh, who did lose their lives in the line of duty. And uh, we wanna make sure that they are honored and, re- and recognized as they should be.
0: So you, you absolutely cover the whole, the whole gambit of certifying again that line of duty death, which I find so extraordinary. Now, 2020, you know, what, the, the, again, a terrible year for everyone. Um, we had a lot of anti-police sentiment uh, in 2020 uh, throughout the country. Um, how did that affect, or did it affect, uh, the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial?
1: It 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 did to a certain extent. Um, one night, we had some uh, graffiti on the memorial wall. Uh, but we had that cleaned up before the sun came up and we certainly didn't take it to the news. Um, I did not want to attract any attention over to the Memorial during this time or to the museum. So it was really only one day, but you know, we got together as a management team and we talked about what we could do um, as a member of law enforcement to help um, connect law enforcement with communities. And being that where we are a museum, sort of gave us the perfect platform to set the table for some really important discussions. Um, off the top of my head, uh, we had one on bias um, and implicit bias. We had one on uh, facial recognition and how law enforcement is using that and the controversy around that. Uh, those are the first two that come to my mind. But the reason I bring those up is because one of the things that we were finding, we've done many, many programs, is that people that are coming to the table are coming to find solutions. It's not what you're seeing on the news. We we truly have a country that is solution-based and they wanna find solutions. People understand that safe communities equals safe law enforcement and safe law enforcement equals safe communities. And there's there's not a, uh, a there's not a greater sparkle than that. And we at the museum we um, we're the people that can set the table, that can help educate, and ultimately lead to a better understanding of our law enforcement uh, men and women, and uh, and then what our communities need and what they're looking for.
0: I'm so glad you said that, Marcia, because having been involved in this profession for over forty years. I have never seen the law enforcement profession uncommitted to change and improvement. We have always been looking to change, always been looking to improve, always been looking to better ourselves, educate ourselves. And I think that's a big part of what you guys are helping this profession to do. Where can people go to to find out more information about the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund?
1: So they can go to, we have many websites. Um, That's a good news, bad news thing. But the one that I would direct them to today would be lawmemorial.org. And uh, they will find today's fatality report that we released. And they will also find other information on how they can either get involved or upcoming programs that we have going on. Um, and, and they can read also about what we're planning for Police Week. So right now, uh, we're planning Police Week. And uh, we might not be bringing twenty to 30,000 visitors to Washington, but whoever uh, is able to come, right now we're preparing to receive them.
0: Marsha, thank you so much for spending time with us today. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. This year, over 50,000 law enforcement officers have been assaulted while on duty. A vast number of these attacks were filmed and uploaded to social media in the pursuit of likes and attention.
1: What they want to do is film you instead of like, what can I do to help this officer?
0: Together, we can change this disturbing trend. If that individual would have hit the right spot, you know, it could have been it for me. You know, last time I would have saw my wife, my kids, I'm Mike Solon. Law enforcement officers need your support. If you see an officer under attack, then follow these simple steps in order to help. One, call 911 and give the officers exact location. Two, ask the officer if you can assist. If the officer accepts, then do whatever you can do to safely help. Three, if the officer declines, then start filming and be a good witness. It's time to stop filming and start helping.